I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The world we inhabit is not as free, or certain, or safe as you might think. The things that you believe to be unassailably evident are little more than shadows dancing behind a curtain. A masquerade, crafted and dutifully upheld by an organization known as the Foundation. The file you are about to hear contains containment procedures, descriptions, testing logs, historical and in some cases first-hand accounts of the anomalous objects the Foundation serves to secure, contain and protect. Its contents have been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. Nina Weiss had been director of Site 87 for almost 30 years. Most directors barely lasted half that long, between Foundation politics, backstabbing, both figurative and literal, scandals and just plain retirement. The latter hung over her like an anvil as she looked at her reflection in the monitor of her computer. Hold on, unplug the screen by mistake. Weiss reached around the monitor, fingers straining for the plug. When it came back on, the face of Tristan Bailey was on the screen. He was sitting in what appeared to be a hotel room. Weiss raised her eyebrow. Dr. Bailey, I thought you'd be on your flight by now. Got bumped. I should be back by tomorrow. Tristan adjusted his laptop's camera and drummed his fingers on the table. Heard it's been hairy up there. Are you doing all right, director? Weiss let out a derisive noise. Dr. Bailey, just because I am old does not mean I am completely infirm. He frowned. You had a heart attack barely three years ago, ma'am. I take it easy. Get out of town for a bit. Let Dr. Hennessy take over for a while. Weiss shook her head. Hennessy doesn't have proper clearance, and it would take her a while to get it. Besides, Lamarche is coming down to Sloth's Pit to inspect the Penzance device, since you think it's interfering with the transit array. Tristan shuddered. Sorry, Director, but even talking about it creeps me out. We have a reality-wiping bomb under the site, and you say it like we're getting the water heater checked. We've never had to use it, probably never will. Weiss tapped her fingers against the table. Things are getting a little hairy here, I'll admit it. First flight you can get. How's Portland? Hendricks and Jeff dashed me out for a drink after we got some business done. Actually found a bar that wasn't full of hipsters, which was nice. As for official business... Tristan and Weiss talked for another 20 minutes before the call ended. Weiss rose from her seat, stabilizing herself on the table and using her cane to get up as well. Maybe it was time to give retirement some proper thought. Gingerly, she headed to the door of her office, opened it, and stepped into oblivion. Weiss felt herself tumbling, head over heels, sunlight quickly escaping her view. Her arm was wrapped around the neck of her attacker, struggling with him in the freefall. A gun went off, and then flew out of her attacker's hand as she clawed at his wrist. Who are you? she snarled. Why did you do this? Any response was lost in the rush of wind and the crunch of stone as the bottomless sloth's pit proved to be anything but. Her attacker landed hard, breaking her fall and his spine. Weiss screamed, then cursed, then clawed herself away from the still-warm body. She couldn't feel anything below her left knee, and she saw her leg jutting out at a bizarre angle, never to heal properly. Wait. Weiss squinted her eyes. This already happened. 
I've been through this before. Her hand ran through a puddle of water, and there was just enough light that she could see her face reflected in it. Forty years younger, no wrinkles, no frown lines, her gray braid with a head of mousy brown hair styled in a page boy. I... She swallowed. What the hell? What is this? She tried standing up, purely on instinct, and found herself collapsing to the ground, screaming. Yeah, now I remember, she panted. Leg is definitely broken. Fuck. Several Site 87 personnel stood to gawk at the bottomless pit that had opened in front of the director's office on sublevel 2. It had already been cordoned off, with hooks being drilled into the walls to prepare for descent. I think it's one of those manifestations you talked about. Blake Williams looked at Toffelmeyer, visible concern on his face. There's nothing on the level below this, as far as we can see. Has to be one of those, right? Robert crouched by the side, and his hand ran along the edge, picking up the strange dirt. It was black, crumbly, and smelled of ink. This is pit dirt, all right. Has to be a manifestation. He frowned. When did Weiss first go down it? Summer of 81. Think she's still afraid of it, though? Like, it would be traumatic, but almost 40 years is a lot of time to recover. And she shot at least five pit sloth manifestations in 18. And she had a heart attack in 17 that left her in a hospital in Duluth. Blake shook his head and turned to the crew. Is that gear ready? The hooks aren't going in, a member of maintenance complained. The walls are reinforced concrete. We're going to need a plasma drill. Well, then freaking get one, Blake snapped. Any idea what happened to her down there? The files are Mundo classified, but considering the director at the time died of starvation after drinking a cup of coffee that never got tested, and Weiss used to be a pharmacologist. Ah, Blake looked into the pit. She's probably fine, right? She's a badass. Motherfucker! The younger Nina Weiss grabbed at her leg. Her attempts to splint it were met with pain in ever-increasing amounts, just like she remembered it. It was a miracle she could even find anything to splint it with down here. She hadn't landed at the bottom of the pit, but somewhere else. The badge on her lab coat had been torn off in the struggle, and after failing to find anything on the body of the man that threw her down, she was crawling among what she surmised was the ruins of a library. Books with ruined, stained pages lay scattered everywhere. Shrapnel and splinters of wood and glass had to be brushed out of the way before she could crawl, and the whole place smelled of ink and dirt. Okay, she panted, crawling up to a corner. If it's still on me, like back then... Weiss felt through her pockets. When she had originally been thrown into the bottomless pit and landed here, she had an anomalous drug, one of only two prototypes in existence at the time, on her person called Rhino Beetle. When used, it provided someone with massive strength and stamina for about an hour, followed by a hunger crash so severe that it would kill them via starvation within 15 minutes, as their body burned through every available calorie. Not looking forward to mixing bacon with a milkshake again, she admitted, as she rifled through her pockets. Wait, where, where, where was it? Where is it? She had a hole in her lab coat's pocket that wasn't there 39 years ago. She turned pale, looked up at the sunless sky above, and screamed. Toffelmeyer carefully scooted around the edge of the miniature bottomless pit to hook up the climbing gear. He had been given over 300 meters of rope, strong enough to lift an elephant, so it would hopefully be long and strong enough to get to Weiss. Hopefully. What part of bottomless don't people understand? Blake frowned. I mean, hell, it took you and Carol half an hour to hit the bottom on your first ride. That's how long? 13 kilometers. Like falling from the tip of the Empire State Building 29 times over. He frowned. I did the math on that a lot after we got back. 
but by all accounts, Weiss wasn't more than maybe 200 meters into the pit before she got out. Right, so Blake swallowed. Let's hope we can recover her. Falls into the pit have never been fatal. That's the amazing thing about it. With that, Robert secured his gear, checked it twice, and walked over the bottomless pit to the other side. Blake and all assembled personnel stared at Toffelmeyer. He stared at himself, walked to the middle of the pit, and looked down. Nothing happened. So much for Looney Tunes logic. He tried kicking at empty air, and it felt as solid as a steel floor. What the fuck? No! He walked off of the pit. Weiss. Director. Nina! After about half an hour, her leg didn't hurt as much. There was enough light to read by, somehow, and she had found herself engrossed in a folio by Shakespeare. She could turn the pages without her hands creaking or wrists popping, without having to adjust herself constantly to be comfortable. No arthritis. No aching. For as horrible as her situation was, she forgot how much she liked to be young. How horrible aging was. Not necessarily growing up, just growing older. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad dying down here with some books to keep her company, all alone. She shook her head. That's childish, Nina, she sighed. You've got people counting on you, a site to run. You're not 20 anymore, and God willing, you never will be again. But she turned her wrist around, feeling its free range of movement. Whatever did this to me, it's probably going to wear off if I climb back up. But I don't have any rhino beetle on me, so I can't. She looked down at her hands and sighed. How does that song go? Make the most of the night like we're going to die young? She pulled herself to another volume, frowning at the cover. It was Orlando by Virginia Woolf. Sloth's Manor fell into the ground in 1890. This wasn't published until... There was a clinking sound and a glass vial rolled to her feet. She backed up, hissing as her leg flared in pain and looked up in time to see a hairy arm vanish into the darkness. Then she looked at the vial... It contained a black liquid that pulsed with intermittent flashes of light. She couldn't read the label, but for the words BTL and toxic. She felt a sudden weight of a syringe in her pocket. She knew to be suspicious. Some mysterious entity had come from the shadows and just handed her an escape route. So she called out to the dark. Hello? From the darkness, an unmistakable and very familiar form emerged, albeit slightly off-color. Six foot even, with a pair of horns on its head, a face that was more humanoid than Caprine at the moment, and covered head to toe in black fur, with an axe in one hand. Director, the goat man nodded. Sorry for the clandestine bullshit, as you would put it, but I thought it best to make myself scarce. Do I want to know what you're doing down here? And what year is it? 2020, like every other day in this accursed year. He crossed his arms. Do something different with your hair? Uh, maybe. She looked at the vial again. How are you here? I could ask you the same thing. I walked out of Cautious Hubble this morning and found myself in my Jackson Sloth's old library. That was stuck to the bottom of my foot for most of the day, until you fell down here with... The goat man turned, finding the man's corpse absent. Huh. He looked her up and down. You're in no fit state to walk, let alone climb out of here. That's what you were going to do with that, right? Overheard you muttering about it. Uh, yeah. Weiss looked down at her leg. Rhino beetle. Accelerates healing, but I don't know. Uh, I've climbed out of this a dozen times, the goat man grinned, its teeth pointed and malicious. He closed his lips quickly. Sorry. Another Krampus movie's coming out this Christmas. Always does weird things to my teeth. It's fine, Nina said, not unnerved in the slightest. Well, let's, um, how do you want to do this? Climb on my back best you can. 
the goat man came over and helped Weiss to her feet. Not a bad look for you, Director, I must say. Pity it'll probably wear off once we get topside. Weiss shook her head. Well, can't be young forever. All too true. With that, the goat man hoisted Nina Weiss onto his back and started to climb. Tristan Bailey found himself rushed to the administrative level within seconds of pulling up to Plastic Circle in front of Site 87. Harried agents, stressed-looking researchers, and one administrative assistant who looked like she was having a very bad day babbled things at him about Weiss being missing, probably KIA, and how they needed a new director. They pushed right up to the edge of the bottomless pit, or at least where the concrete divider had been placed. "'Will you people calm down?' Tristan turned toward the crowd. "'And talk one at a freaking time!' What's happening? Allison Carroll stepped forward. Director Weiss fell into the pit yesterday. As far as we can tell, she's been down there since. We can't get in, and as far as we can tell, it's the exact same as the bottomless pit. So there were several startled gasps behind Carroll as the crowd began retreating. A bleeding voice called, she's hurt. At the same time, several agents called, containment breach, and Bailey bellowed, hold up. Several agents had aimed their guns at the black-furred form of the goat man, who was carrying a woman in her 30s on his back, her leg twisted at a bizarre angle. She was in pain but conscious and looked at Bailey with a pair of intense green eyes. Dr. Bailey, she panted, don't, don't just stand there help an old woman down, would you? If Tristan's jaw could drop any further, it would have dislocated. If he'd been holding a coffee mug, it would shatter on the ground. If he had low blood pressure, he'd have fainted. He recognized the woman before him from family photos and the occasional Thanksgiving dinner from when he and his brothers were much, much younger men. Director Weiss, he swallowed, you look different, very different. Weiss rolled over her hand, looking at the back of it. It was largely free of wrinkles, blemishes, and other signs of age, and it still failed to crack or creak or pop. So I do, she swallowed. So I do. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like what you hear, follow the link in the description to patreon.com slash SCP Unredacted and help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. You can get access to production logs, merchandise, recognition, and even a part in a skip. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki, upvote their work, and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki. And we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel by personnel. 
Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.